0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 206 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Horse Addicts. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible.
0: Equestrian Collections offers the whole universe of shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. And Kentucky Performance Products, scientifically proven supplements for your horse. You can find all the links to all our terrific sponsors at StableScoop.com.
2: Bring the news
3: through hail, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. sit on down and laugh till your poop. Cause it's time again for
1: stable scoop, stable scoop, stable scoop, stable scoop.
0: Stable scoop. This is Glenn the Geek.
1: and this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Howdy, Helena. Howdy, Glenn. How you doing Guess today? Guess what?
0: Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Uh oh, news. What do you got? Tonight,
1: the Olympics start. Woohoo! Tonight, that's right. It's opening Friday.
0: ceremonies, and you have to do something because we're playing this little game over in the morning show. Okay. What do I have to do? Monday morning, we're going to talk about which outfits we like the best from what countries, and which outfits were the total bummer.
1: Oh, can I just talk about total bummer and outfits for a minute? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you have your opinion on the United States of
1: it? I do. First of all, Ralph Lauren is probably my all-time favorite designer. There's some new up-and-coming ones that I absolutely love, but he's just my go-to guy, right? Okay. And I was over the moon when I found out that he was outfitting the U.S. athletes. I was stoked. And then, and then, and then, and then, I saw the photograph of Boyd and Philip Dutton and the gang being a team processing in their Ralph Lauren team outfits. And I, I choked a little.
0: You mean the Glee Club from Harvard?
1: I choked. <laughs> I so get where they're coming from, but it was it was so poorly executed. I, I'm i like, this did not come out of the Ralph Lauren design house. It just with didn't. the
0: French berets?
1: Come on. And the double-breasted? Double-breasted are so like... <laughs> I don't
0: know, 1980. I was wearing those in the late 70s, early 80s, I think. I
1: know, I know. <laughs> but even worse, even worse, and I didn't know this, I guess I should have assumed, but it's all made in China, and everybody's yes. up in arms about that. Yes, and everybody I think was, they up, that be was up, a up mistake. in arms about that.
0: Yeah, that was a big mistake.
1: <laughs> that I mean, was, it's not like the the company can suddenly shift manufacturing and you know bring it all to the United States, but actually they can just for these... Well, they could have
0: found a company that actually produces in the United States if there's still one left with a sewing machine. Um,
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? There are, because not too long ago I had researched um, making some custom saddle pads, and so I had been looking into contract sewers. And there are plenty right here in the United States. Plenty.
0: Well, I really really thought it looked like something from the Harvard Glee Club or the, the rowing team would wear. When well, they're going to dinner. You have to
1: think of it this way. These, these are the outfits for the entire U.S. Olympic team. So there are rowers in there. and
0: Yeah, but, you know, can swimmers. you imagine the weightlifters and the bodybuilders and the shot putters wearing that outfit?
1: I can. The pants and the bucks <laughs> were fabulous. I have to give them that. The pants and the bucks were great. And even the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The Gatsby-esque. They were going for the Gatsby-esque mm-hmm. thing. And I get that. That would have been fabulous. But like I said, it was just with the berets and the double-breasted buttons. It's just wrong.
0: (laughs) With his logo bigger than the U.S. logo. It's
1: so cheesy American. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like everything that's bad about America.
0: You know what's funny, too, is I saw some other pictures of some of the grooms and things over there wearing, obviously, USA team stuff that they had gotten to wear at the Olympics. Yeah. And they looked great in, in, in this. They were just the sweat jackets and stuff, but they, but they looked really cool. I was like, why aren't they just wearing those? I know. I know. <laughs> but you know what? There's going to be some worse ones. So that's why we have to keep an eye out for, uh, tonight and pick out the bad ones so we can talk about it. All right. <laughs> There's going to be some bad ones. There always is some bad ones. Uh, worse than ours, even. Well, we have a fun show. We're going to talk about Brody a little bit later, too, because um, I I hope he is working out well for you, your new horse. Uh, We also uh, have our product of the week, which is an old favorite revisited in a new way. So we're going to chat about that also. But first, we have a guest coming up here that looks like a lot of fun. We're going to England. We're going to find out from her what all the, you know, how, it, how is it over there, you know, the day that, that things are starting? But she also is a radio personality over there. She's an author. She's a TV broadcaster. She's a speaker. She's a philosopher. She's an artist. She's a gardener. She's a cake decorator. I, I don't know what she doesn't do. And she also wrote some fun books, and that's what we're going to talk to her about in just a minute. But first, let's take a break for uh, Equestrian Collections Product of the Week, and we'll be right back with Tina Bettison. The Geek here, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product
2: of the Week. This week, I want to talk about a new product we have on our site called the Shires H2 Go Bag. This is a new, ingenious idea. Whoever thought of it. It's a big sort of bladder. It's a plastic bladder that goes in your wheelbarrow. You fill it up with water, and it takes up to, uh, up to 19 gallons. I mean, that's a lot of water. And then you can wheel your wheelbarrow wherever you need it to go, anywhere that you can't get a hose to. The reason I got one was because sometimes I park my horse trailer a little bit too far from the barn from uh, where the hose goes, and so I thought... Thought, oh, this is pretty cool, so you put this thing in there, you put the water in there, you walk up, you just push, pull up the handles on the water bag, and the water comes out, and you've got water no matter where you need to go. It is heavy, so once it's filled, so be sure to remember uh, that you need to balance your wheelbarrow, especially if you have a one wheelbarrow, you have to balance it pretty well. Um, If you have a two-wheeled barrel, you know, the one that has the two wheels in the front, that might be a little bit better thing to use with this bag because it is heavy, and as the water splashes around, it can get a little bit... um maybe, you know, to one side or the other. But I use it just fine with the single wheel and don't have any problem. So this is something I would certainly recommend, uh, especially if you need to get your water a little bit farther from the brown- barn than where your hose goes. And, Glenn, I understand you know a little bit about this. idea.
0: Yeah, Helena, for, uh, my co-host on the Stable Scoop show, uses one of these and absolutely loves it because she has that bu- those buckets in the paddocks that are further away. And she uses this now, and and it seems to be absolutely loving it. 20 gallons of water, and you can walk it right on out there. And you can find it by going to equestriancollections.com and searching for H, the number 2, G-O. H, the number 2, G-O, and it'll pop up at equestriancollections.com. So, Helena, we're going to England, not to see the Olympics, though. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I would really sorry. like to go
0: to England. <laughs> sorry, I can't get you in there. But we are going to visit with Tina Bettison, who, as I said, is is a jack of all trades. She's also a radio personality over there on terrestrial radio. And she's going to tell us a little bit about that. But I got her on because I found her website because she has written some books. that. Have, remember the last two weeks we did serious topics and you said, oh, next week we got to do something a little lighter? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me get give you the names of the books that she wrote, and that'll give you an indication. That's a little lighter. A hundred ways for a horse to train its human. A hundred ways to live with a horse addict, and a hundred ways a horse is better than a man. So, does that light enough for you?
1: Um, very. (laughs) That's that's atmospheric. Well, we're gonna. What's the word when you go out of the atmosphere?
0: Um, outer space.
1: No, there's a word. Somebody will email us. Spaced and out. Is. No, that would be me. <laughs> but no, it's there's a word when you go out a stratosphere when you go out Strat- in the stratosphere. Yes. But I don't know, if stratospheric would be an adjective to describe things that exist in the stratosphere. I'll no, have no, to look no, we, that up. We can
0: up. make that up. We right. can make it up. What the heck? It's the internet age. We can do whatever. That's it be- right.
1: And I am known on stable Scoop for making up my own words. So yes, it will be stratospheric.
0: You know what? Well, there's What are we one- talking about? <laughs> one thing Tina has, you know, what the first word I used to describe her in her description was wordsmith. That is one thing I've never been accused of as being a wordsmith. <laughs> no, ever. You're
1: not the word guy. <laughs> you're the idea man.
0: Yeah, not a wordsmith so much. No,
1: <sighs>
0: no. So this lady's going to make us look silly. You know that, don't you?
1: That's fine. Well, who doesn't make us look silly?
0: with her english accent well let's get her on here let's talk to tina about her fun books and she's going to give us some examples of those ways out of all the books so that should be fun to talk about too hi tina and welcome to the stable scoop show
3: hi glenn it's really really nice to be here
0: well it's so good to have you uh join us especially today it's such an exciting day around the world but especially in your neck of the woods now how far do you live from london um, I'm
3: actually about um, 120 miles, which is about two hours okay. out of London.
0: And what's the mood in England right now? Is it excitement? Is it like, oh, this is going to be a pain in the butt? Is it a little, <laughs> you know, what, what's it like?
3: I think it's a little bit of both, actually. I mean, obviously, we're very excited that the uh, the Olympics are starting today um, and with the opening ceremony. There is a little bit of, I think... Um, concern because of obviously, you know, London is, um, is going to be, well, is full of people all coming to the Olympics. And transport-wise, that's, that is a bit of a pain in the butt for people if you work in London.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, fortunately, I don't. I only go into London when I need to. So I can enjoy all the pomp and ceremony um, from my TV sitting at home in the countryside with the horses.
1: You Without have the inconvenience of all those people.
0: <laughs> That's right.
3: Exactly. I can bypass the whole thing.
0: Well, I think you're going to see more anyway than you would if you were there.
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, on the horsey theme, I have to say that a friend of mine is very lucky. She um, is one of the mounted police, and she has got the task of um, policing the uh, cross-country course
0: the equestrian event oh, oh my see, it's god just
1: <laughs> that's a dream job yeah that's what she thinks too <laughs> I mean, you couldn't make up like who came up with a job like that who decided oh you, we need to have a mounted unit to patrol the cross-country course Woohoo!
3: yeah what a great job
0: Yeah, I I think cross-country is going to be a lot of fun. That will be on uh, Monday, actually, is the cross-country day. And and for for those in in the United States, we get lots of coverage here as well. uh, NBC.com or the website, just search up Olympics NBC, you'll find the website. And they've worked with a lot of the major cable companies here. You can watch most of this coverage online. If you have a a cable account already, they make you sign into your cable or your satellite uh, account. But then you can get the complete coverage here, uh, as well as NBC's multiple stations on cable are are covering a lot of it. Now the horse events for us over here in the United States all start at four or five in the morning, uh, and if you want to watch it live,
1: no, that's okay, Glenn. We're up at four or five.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Lena and I are early risers, so that'd be perfect for us. Uh, Bob, I'm so excited uh, for you guys that you get to have this happen in your country anybody that probably lives within an hour of London has family and friends they never knew about now sleeping on their couch
3: <laughs> that's true That's true.
0: <laughs> well tell us a little bit about you, you're a horse person right?
3: I am a horse person that's quite true
0: did you start Pony Club or how'd you start?
3: well I was a pony mad child that's for sure um, I absolutely fell in love with ponies when I was a little girl and I used to go to my local riding school and I rode there and in those days we used to go and help out on a Saturday so we'd go and clean tack and muck out stables and do all that kind of thing and in return we'd get a ride Um, but because we don't we don't do that now the whole kind of health and safety thing um, I don't know if it's the same in the, in the US, but in the UK, you know, there's loads and lots and lots of rules and regulations about what you can and can't do and what you can have children doing. So the, it, it just isn't really an, an option now, which I think is a huge shame because I, I just loved it. It was, you know, every Saturday I was at the stables helping out. Um, but I never actually had my own pony until I got to 34.
0: Oh really? And
3: then at thirty-four, I got my own.
0: <laughs> then did you go overboard? Did you get like twelve of them?
3: Uh, no, but I do have two. Okay, <laughs> that's not too. I bad. do have two, um, and uh, so I, I kind of, I suppose, I rode until I was in my teenage years, and then I discovered boys, and the riding of the horses kind of <laughs> went off the boil a bit. And I went to university and off into you know work um and i I didn't really ride then until until I was about thirty two thirty three and I just felt that urge to do it again, and so I took up riding and um and then uh, well, it gets in your blood then doesn't it, and you just need to have your own
0: do you just ride for pleasure at this point? Or are you competing or
3: no, now I just ride for pleasure uh I used to compete um in when I first got Penny um my mare she was just five when I got her and we um we sort of did a lot of growing up together and I used to take her out competing but she's quite a she's quite a sensitive mare mm-hmm. and although she's not difficult you know some some mares can be very difficult and you know mare and and so on. And she wasn't difficult, but she was quite sensitive to her surroundings. So we'd go, we, she and I did dressage, and I'd take her to a dressage competition, and I'd usually find I had to do about four classes before she'd settled down enough to actually start to <laughs> really enjoy it.
1: So you had the extended um, warm-up.
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's extent- right.
1: The one, the kind that you pay for. <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That was that was kind of exactly it. And I, I reached a point where I thought, a, I was getting a little bit fed up of having, you know, lovely horse patiently ridden on the bottom of all of my um, dressage sheets, and also I started to feel like she just wasn't really, she just wasn't really enjoying it, and so I wasn't really enjoying it either. And I just thought, you know, maybe maybe there's no point in you know, going out and doing this and putting us both through that whole rigmarole of, you know, getting ready and loading in the horse box and going to the event and, and you know, her being um, unsettled and upset and me getting unsettled and upset and, and then kind of coming home thinking, well, what was that all about?
0: Um, <laughs> Every horse so husband in the world just said, that's exactly how I feel. That's
1: exactly how I feel. Well, you know, I was going to ask you, how did you make the leap from being a horse person, and it might not have been a leap, it might have just been a hop, from being so um, deeply involved in the horse world and with horses to writing about them? I mean, it's not really that far of a leap, but, you know, if you've got a sensitive mare and you've got these adventures with her, what's you know, was your writing and this part of your career born out of that relationship or was there something else?
3: Well, it kind of was. It was, um, I was also doing, partly because of some of the confidence issues that I started to have for myself in, you know, growing up with a young mare. And I remember, you know, when I first started to try and canter with her, it was like, you know, taking off like a rocket into the stratosphere, and it's frightened the life out of me.
1: There's that word, Glenn, stratosphere. Yeah, stratosphere. You see? Isn't that funny?
0: <laughs> that um, has now come up more on this show than it has in the last three years on this.
3: <laughs> but, really?
1: You know, Tina, I can relate to that because I, I'm coming back from um, a variety of things, horses and, and health related things and just cantering is like taking off into the stratosphere so and you want to write about it there's so much going on in your mind and in your heart that it's it's almost like you have to put the words to paper in order to just process or live with it
3: yeah and i i started um just prior to kind of getting my own horse i had been training in something called nlp neuro linguistic programming i don't know if, if you guys know much about that it's Um, It's a kind of school of psychology, and I started using some of these techniques with myself to try and get over the fears, I suppose, that I had working with Penny, and then I started helping other riders that I knew, and that actually then led me into writing a, a, a book called The Fizz Kit, which was for uh, a kind of do-it-yourself confidence-building manual for riders, and I started doing talks. and I was doing a talk at an event called Your Horse Live, which is one of the big horsey events here in in the UK. As a matter of fact, I think um, it's
0: coming up soon, isn't it? I saw an ad for that recently.
3: Yeah, November it usually yeah. it's usually in November, um, and it's a it's a kind of uh, an event for riders to go and learn. More about different aspects of, of writing. Um, it's not a competitive event, it's, it's kind of more like an exhibition, I suppose, in a way. And I was doing a talk there, and, and this wonderful lady came to talk to me afterwards and said to me, Have I thought about writing a book? And other than the obviously the, the confidence building manual that I got there, I kind of said, Well, mm, no, but I could. and. She was a commissioning editor for one of the big publishing companies here in the UK. And she said, well, we've got this series of of books that are humorous books. And I wondered if you might like to do the horse version. So after a couple of conversations and lunch, she commissioned me to write the first one, which was 100 Ways for a Horse to Train It's Human.
0: I love the title. And that's how I got into writing. I I love the titles because you know that's how I found you. Actually, was looking up horse addict, and then you popped up um, under a hundred ways to live with a horse addict. So tell us, let's 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 get into these a little bit. Uh, under a hundred ways for a horse to train a human, can you give us a couple examples?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, this was the first the first book I wrote, and it was very much from the viewpoint of the horse. So it's written as though, if you like, you've got a. A wise horse telling a younger horse how to train humans. Okay. And um, so just one of a couple of little extracts from it. There will at some point be a tussle for the leadership position between you and your human. Humor them and allow them to think they are the boss while quietly watching them look out your stable, fill your water buckets, pick out your feet and struggle to manhandle a barrow load of horse poo. Remember, they frequently work long hours in a job they hate just so that they can pay to do this in their spare time.
0: <laughs>
3: Which I thought was very, um, at the time I thought was quite apt because a lot, of, a lot of my friends, a lot of people I knew were doing exactly that.
0: Oh, you, and then you add, you just add, need to add a little part of a sentence to the end of that and then buck them off when they're least expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: too. <laughs> That too. Uh, and there's another little, um, another little snippet I have here for you. And this actually is something that Penny, I got this from Penny because this is something she would do for me. And this was about mounting, and um, having uh, some steps to mount from because I've ne- I never mount from the ground. I always actually use steps. And uh, Penny used to do this to me, so if you can have hours of fun moving away from your human just as she reaches the top step. (laughs) A dance worthy of a 1920s ballroom will ensue. Human stands on the steps, you move. Human gets off the steps, moves them to where you are, mounts the steps, you move, and so on.
0: And you're right. Helena is so true. They never do it when you're on the ground. They wait till you get up.
1: They wait till you're stuck there. Yes. (laughs) Oh, exactly.
0: And usually have one foot in the stirrup. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
3: And then they have that lovely way of just kind of moving their bottom round slightly. So you're just too far away from the steps to be able to actually
1: get on. With the least amount of physical effort, though. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So they can leave their front feet right where they are. Thank you. (laughs) That's so true. Bless them.
3: They're so clever.
0: So true. All right. Give us another one.
1: Yeah. Give
3: you another little one. Okay um this was this was one that i put in in about um outings and going to shows because it's um again part of my experience was that you know we go off and we do all these shows and competitions, but actually they create more stress than maybe it's even worse and um so I was suggesting that uh, obviously the human is going to be more stressed than usual in the lead-up to events. So it's the horse's responsibility to bring some humour to the proceedings to kind of help their human lighten up. So I have, have here, your human may wish to plait your mane and tail. Try to entertain your human while they do this by swishing your tail and nodding your head in time to the music that they will inevitably have playing in order to calm their nerves. <laughs> then I, then I realised that they there's always this this... If ever they're going to cast a shoe, it's always the night before, isn't it? Or the morning of the competition.
0: It always happens that way, and you're always going to pay the extra to have the farrier come out and fix it.
3: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So if there's ever a time to cast off a shoe, it's now. Because if your human is a nervous wreck about the event, they obviously can't be that keen on going. So a lost shoe (laughs) could be just the excuse they need to back out.
0: I like to. I didn't want to go anyway. Yeah, <laughs> to exactly. go. You don't
1: really want to go. Do
0: There's you? a few eventors in England right now, right down the street from you, that are feeling that way about tomorrow.
1: Quite probably. <laughs> Quite probably. Well, it is dressage day. So. Yeah, yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> All right, let's Again, go to the next book. I because I I, I, I got to get to this next one. I'm a horse husband. You know, a hundred ways to live with a horse addict. That's my life. I've 25 years I've been doing that. Uh, Now, she kind of turned me into a little bit of one, but I was not to start with. So uh, give me a couple of those. I'm excited to hear that.
3: Okay. Well, this one, this you will certainly resonate then with, Glenn. It's anyone who has ever had a horse or knows anyone with a horse will also know that horses are more addictive than alcohol and narcotics and can be just as expensive, (laughs) and there isn't a Betty Ford Clinic anywhere that will cure that addiction.
0: (laughs) So true. It's true. Do you think there's actually been AA meetings just for horse people? Do you think that anybody tried to do it?
1: Uh, Glenn, you're getting serious now. That's a serious question. I could answer with a very serious answer. Do we want to go there? No, we don't. (laughs) Let's just just live in denial, okay? (laughs) Okay. This is the land of denial moving forward. (laughs) Well, I think
3: it's one of those things, you know, that horses just do get in your blood, don't they?
0: Yep.
1: Yes, they do. They're just part and, of your...
0: You know, dog lovers probably say the same thing, you know, it, it, you know, and different things like that, golf lovers and all that stuff.
1: Deny, deny, well, deny. Yeah. <laughs> and then buy, buy, buy more stuff for your horse.
0: All right, so what's another, another one?
3: Okay, well, I don't know if you um, have this experience, Glenn, but I've always found that the, the female horse addict um, has usually run out of money by the time she gets to actually having to do any shopping for herself. (laughs) So she never has any food in her fridge. And assuming that she has any money left at all, she probably forgets to go shopping anyway and lives on junk and caffeine. Her horse, on the other hand, has special supplements for all its needs and its feed is agonized over, carefully chosen, measured to ensure optimum nutrition for its workload. Optimum nutrition for the horse addict is a takeaway.
0: My wife, once a year, I have to force her, literally once a year, to go buy clothes. Mm-hmm. She has less clothes than any female I have ever seen anywhere. And, and Helena is a friend of ours. She's, she knows that's probably true, isn't
1: it? It's very true. And I have to tell Glenn, I mean, I have to tell Jennifer that um, she should... Accept your advice when you tell her. I said, when Glenn says it's time to go shopping, you need to trust that.
0: Yes. (laughs) it's, It's not a money issue. It's just a, you know, I'd rather spend the money on my horse.
1: It's yeah, it, it's true. It's what you get excited about. You know, um yeah. I'm I just the UPS truck has been in my house seven times this week. <laughs> and i like
0: And how much of that was closed for Helena?
1: Zero. It's all it was new supplements, I had to get a girth, a special bit that you know, and you get really excited. It's like, Mom, the UPS guy's here again <laughs> I'm like, Oh, what is it? And I pull out a you know, a piece of metal. And my husband and my daughter are like <laughs> Yeah, okay. Fun. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> trotting all the way to the barn with my new bit dangling from my hand. I'm whistling and skipping.
0: That's a good one. That was a good one, Tina. That was uh, so true. So true.
3: Well, I think you might like this one then too, because this one is also true, I think. that um, the female horse addict has a wardrobe full of rather nice clothes with the label still on, which she bought once upon a time, in case you go somewhere where joppers are not included in the dress code. <laughs>
2: that's, so
0: tr- yeah. that's true, too. I can go in there and find two or three outfits that have the labels still on that were, were just-in-case ones that I made her buy, in, just yeah. in case. we ever. By the way, horse people never do anything fancy, so we never need them. Well, exactly. Well, with exactly. one exception, Helena, if you're involved in fox hunting, then you have the hunt ball once a year.
1: Yes. Well, Polo has, has parties, too, you know. Oh,
0: yeah, that's true. They get Polo. some
1: fancy tailgating parties.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you get a bunch of eventers together for the party. They're wearing their barn clothes. I mean, it, it just they're going the from heels. the barn.
1: That's an eventer. They'll, they'll wear their britches with high heels and call it a night out. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. They <laughs> might be put perfect. on clean ones, maybe.
1: <laughs> well, you know, with all these new britches, they have them in denim and they have boot cuts. You can wear your riding clothes out and about. Now, oh, yes. It's very fashionable.
0: Yes, now, here, is. I got to ask Tina this. Here in the United States, uh, depending on where you're at, like we've lived in some very horsey areas in Lexington, Kentucky, and now in Ocala, Florida, where you can go to the grocery store and you'll see every trip you make there, you're going to see somebody in breeches and boots, and they just came from the farm. But that's not true in most parts of the United States. How about England? It, you know, you you live in the countryside. Obviously, you have your horses. Is it very common to see people in, in breeches and jodfers at the store?
3: Um, yes, it is. In, here in the countryside, um, you won't again. You won't find find it so much in in the cities or the towns. Um, but uh, but yeah, I you know I can go into our local supermarket and pretty much guarantee there will be somebody in jobbers walking around.
0: Oh, all right. So let's go to a hundred ways a horse is better than a man, and then I can argue with each one of these. So go no, ahead.
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> let's just sit back and listen, Glenn.
3: Well, this was, um, this was the third book I wrote, and I have to say that I haven't met my fiancé when I read when I wrote this.
0: Oh, so you've changed the whole book now? No, it, so I've changed now? it all now. It's all completely untrue.
1: <laughs> it's going to be volume two, volume two.
0: A <laughs> hundred ways I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, throw well,
3: it. Well, so actually, though, this, this could still be true, but if the relationship with your horse doesn't work out, as opposed to the one with your man, Um, you can sell it or shoot it and neither will result in your arrest. (laughs) And if your horse no longer fulfills the purpose for which you got it, you might be able to claim loss of use from your insurance because you struggle to do that with a man. (laughs) And of course, then there's the, the old relationship chestnut. It's not you, it's me. At the end of any relationship. Well of course horses don't end your relationship with that. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right, give it give us one more.
3: One more. Okay. well oh, i I'm, well, this is a very common one again in England. I don't know I, I don't know if this is this is something that men have a problem with all over the world. Um
1: Yeah,
0: we're pretty much all the same.
3: Oh you do you reckon? <laughs> okay. I
1: hate to say it, but it's true.
3: Okay. So this one might might work then. If you'll never get into an argument with your horse because he won't stop to ask directions. So always true. implicitly trust your map reading and
1: sense of direction.
0: <laughs> that is true all over the world. I have to admit that's true all over the world.
1: Unless you're on a mare. <laughs> Sometimes they just want yeah, to take their own way home.
0: Yeah, they have, they're, they're laying their own path.
1: <laughs> yeah, They're like, I know the way back to the barn, you just follow me.
0: <laughs> that's true. Well, that's great. And I did look, and all of these books are available here in the United States at Amazon, has them. Um, so you can find them all. We'll put links in our show notes at stablescoop.com. And, and now, when you'd put out the fourth book about why men are better than horses, uh, or you, were you just say, is he sitting there? Is that why you were just saying that? And you're going to really didn't mean it.
3: Sorry, say that again. He's then. sitting
0: right there, and that's why you said that, because he's sitting right there, your fiance. No, actually,
3: I have to say. He's got some big brownie points here. Right now, he's taken the dogs, and he's gone to the horses, and he's 2 picking the field.
1: (gasps) Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) And you know, because... I am blessed. And the other thing that's true of all men around the world is we think about one thing and only one thing at, at any given time, and everything we do is to gain points for that one thing. So you know that's why he's out there, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, cool.
0: <laughs> and that's a oh, whole cool. other book. Tina, i got to write that book. i got to write The Hundred Ways You Can Gain Points for That. Yeah. Yeah. i got to do that. And we'll have little score sheets. And then when when you get the points, you can come in and say, look, dear, I have enough points. You don't even need
1: to score it. You don't even need to write it down. We see everything. We make mental notes. And it's it's an automatic response. You do for us, and voila, magical things happen for you. (laughs) You say yes to I really think that just meant, I mean we need to have we need to discuss this on the Horse Husbands episode too next year. You need to understand the power of yes dear. Or how's your horse? Those two phrases can unlock a world of magic for America's horse husbands. Or for the I'm world. Saying.
0: That that applies in England too, doesn't yes. it, Tina? Oh yes. Well, thank oh, yes. you very much for joining us. Give everybody your website.
3: Okay. My website is www.tinabettison.com.
0: And that's B-E-T-T-I-S-O-N. And you have your own little podcast you do on there as well.
3: Yes, I do. I do. So, it's called Tina Talks.
0: People can uh, find all of that on your website, including your books and little, little excerpts and everything. It was, it was a fun website. So thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Olympics.
1: Thank you, Glenn. I will. I love to meet both of you. I wish I was over there right now. I wish I was a mounted police officer.
0: I'm just looking. I don't <laughs> know. Patrolling the cross country That's course. the gig to have. At Rolex, of course, they have mounted riders from different organizations that you know help out and patrol the, during ro- c- cross country too. And and they get to see everything because they're sitting up so much
1: higher. I know. I know. On yeah. those big draft horses, which is as, as good as having being in a recliner.
0: Uh, let's go to our Tack and Habit product of the week. And this is sponsored by Kentucky Performance Products. Regular listeners to the show know that we love Kentucky Performance Products. And that's an easy thing to do because Kentucky Performance Products stand behind their products and they believe in them. Your complete satisfaction is guaranteed. If you are unsatisfied with any of their products, they will gladly refund your money. Does your horse or pony get fat on air alone? Is he living in a dry lot or turned out with a muzzle? Can't feed him more than a handful of grain and some hay? Then you need Microphase. Microphase is a great way to ensure your horse or pony gets all of the nutrients he needs to stay healthy without adding calories to his diet. Microphase contains the vitamins and trace minerals not found in grass or hay, and your horse will eat it right out of your hand. You can learn more about Microphase and all of the products from Kentucky Performance Products by visiting kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Check out Microphase. Well, Helena, this week we're revisiting a product that you and I both love. Actually, our horses love it. I love it, too. We both love it. We all, uh, yes, we yes. all love it. Our horses love it. We love it as humans. Uh, is because, And we're revisiting it because last Friday, we have mm-hmm. the scoop. They brought out a new way to do it, and that is Redmond equine. And that's the Redmond rocks. You see them in your tack shops. They actually look like mineral rocks. They're all mineral rock shaped. They're not all pressed in, into white, pretty little blocks. These are the Redmond Mineral Rocks. They're taken out of a mine in Utah, and they have over 60 different minerals that benefit your horses, including the salty needs and everything like that. And the nice part is there's nothing processed in here. It comes, they
1: chisel it's it It's totally right out. natural. That's right. They chunk it off and deliver it. <laughs> and you get a piece of the rock. Yeah, you get a piece okay. of the rock. And My horses love Redmond Rocks, love them. But I've always had a problem um, where to put them. I usually put them in a feed tub out on the ground. That's right.
0: And, and, and the other thing about Redmond Rocks, unlike the white processed bricks, I don't know what you call them, the, you know, the, the salt bricks, is they last much longer. They're much harder. So they, they lick them for a long time, and they last much longer than the white blocks do. So you're right. You need a place to put them. And most people, if they have them outside, put them in a bucket. Well, if you have them inside the stall, you also need a bucket because it, otherwise they'll be wandering around on the floor. They're almost too big to put into the feed bucket. So some people, you know, have a separate bucket for them. Well, they've solved that problem now with the Redmond Equine Rock on a Rope. That's right. Rock Basically, on the rope. What <laughs> I love they it. did is they drilled a hole love through it. the it's middle of the The only rock. thing
1: that could have made this product better.
0: <laughs> I know. Rock on a rope. It's like soap on a rope. Do you remember when that was popular?
1: Yeah, soap on, soap on rope, a rope. I do. and all that the jokes was like that went an along thing. With it.
0: <laughs> it was so popular, and soap on a rope for, for a couple of Christmases there is what you got your parents when you were a kid. Because yeah. it was so cool, it was the in thing. Soap on a rope. Whatever happened so to soap cool. on a rope? Soap on a rope. I don't I
1: know what happened to that. But, it but was... what, That's
0: basically the same premise. Although they used, they're using a little tougher rope. And what they did is they drilled through the rock and they put the rope through. And you tie the rope around the bars of the stall or outside around a fence. And you have your now you have your Redmond rock just hanging there like a licky ball, and he can just he or she can just lick it, and it works terrific. It's. Uh, they you realize the Redmond rocks actually have ten times the minerals that other r- rocks or uh, processed bricks do. They're just terrific.
1: That's because there's no processing. Everything gets to stay. It, it gets all the good minerals are retained. It comes right out of the earth.
0: Well, they also um, have a human version, and I know I don't know if you're still using it, but we use it every day. Is we use the human version of the salt, the brick mineral blocks. What they do is they just grind it up.
1: They we just, blew through that and like right away. Oh, yeah. They just grind it up use into it right the up.
0: salt, and you just use the same one your horse eats. You just sprinkle it on your food, and it tastes like salt, you know? And, and you use it, and we still use it. To, to this day, we bought more when we, we were out and saw it one day. They actually carried it at our local tech shop, the human salt. Mm. Uh, so mm. we bought more of that. But this is terrific product. If you guys haven't tried Redmond Rocks yet, uh, look for it at your local store. They're usually in a great big box and a display on the floor because they're heavy. They're big rocks. Um, and you just buy a rock and leave. Um, they're worth the you
1: money. Buy, you buy a rock and leave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're worth the money, and I, we highly recommend these things. Everybody that I know that have used them, their horses loved them. And even horses that are a little picky about eating salt. Hmm. So give them a try. Uh, We had a funny story. There was this one barn where we had our horse in in Lexington, and we brought the Redmond Rocks home, and we actually just put them out in the field It fell in a bucket. It fell out of the bucket, and the horses were licking it on the ground for a while. Well, when she moved the horses, the landlord had her move the horses out of that field. He wanted to put cows in there. We came out the next day, and there were two or three of the cows over licking the ground where the Redmond Rock had fallen. So that even they cows loved like it. it. Yes, they loved it. They like human Rock, too. It's also cow approved. Human approved, horse approved and cow approved.
1: I wonder if goats and sheep's would lick it too. I'm sure they would. Sheeps, listen to me, sheep. That's a new <laughs> <Sheeps>. word. <laughs> that's up there with stratospheric. You know that word goats and sheep we were talking about. I wonder if they would. I mean, if you are any creature that needs salt, we all do to some extent. Yep. I guess would love and minerals. We all need those to survive. So even if you've got because you know what we're thinking about maybe putting a couple of sheep out there or a goat or two. What aren't you going to have? Do
0: you have chickens?
1: Not yet. We're working on it.
0: <laughs> Jamie has chickens, but the problem is. Critters keep eating your chickens. So
1: that's a problem. My neighbor's got a lot of chickens. A lot of chickens. And oh, the critters eat his you. chickens. Before we talk Which is about... why the critters leave us alone. I didn't
0: tell you. Redmondequine.com by the way. Redmondequine.com is where you'll find that. I didn't tell you. Um, and I want to ask you about Brody, but before that, for the Wait, last... are we
1: done with our tack and habits? <laughs> yes,
0: we're done with that now. Redmondequine.com Get your rock and a rope. It'll right. be available. Get your rock. We'll August. be back later. <laughs> Um, and, and follow them on, on Facebook too, at at Redmond Equine.
1: But the, you know, wait, 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 hold on. Before we just wrap that up, I, I, we really need to give Redmond Rock their props. I, I mean, we've been talking about this for the last five minutes, but it, it really is, um, very palatable. I've had salt blocks, like just plain old, old salt licks. I've had the Himalayan salt blocks and my horses will, hands down, this is their favorite. They will lick it until it's a pebble, um, so I I wonder, definitely check it there, out. And you know what? It's affordable. It's not crazy, you know, priced through the roof because it's some um, because it's got 10 times the minerals. It's absolutely affordable. Probably the best bang for your buck in terms of um, salt and mineral provisions for your horses. You okay, know, I'm done.
0: I often wonder, you know, Beaker, our horse, he licks it so much. I often wonder why his tongue doesn't get bloody. You know?
1: I know. That's what I say, too. <laughs> but it's soft. I mean, it's, soft, it's, yeah. it's the stuff dissolves. It's all... What do you call it? Water soluble. And it gets real
0: smooth where they lick it. It's, it's it's really smooth. Yeah. We we've had a spotting the last couple of days. Jennifer has gone to take the horse out. We put him in the neighbor's yard to treat uh, for a treat at the grass over there once a day. And the last two days we have seen a fox in the backyard. Oh. A little gray fox. What kind of fox? A little gray one. And I think so it's a female probably. And she, the one day she brought the horse out, I was looking out the back window. I said, what is that? It was standing in the corner of the field watching her bring the horse out. And then just actually it was sort of sitting standing. Uh, and then she brought, you know, she, she dropped the horse off. And then when she went to come back into our yard, it took off across the yard. And then yesterday we saw it out there uh, in in our horse's field. Um, so the the foxes are here too.
1: Oh, maybe they'll be friends. I spotted
0: our first. I think he likes the horse. I think that's why he's hanging out. She, yeah. why she's hanging out out there. Is it, are the greys always a
1: girl? Is what?
0: Are gray foxes always girls or? Uh, like, or
2: are they two
1: different I don't species, know a lot about foxes. About foxes. I don't know. Google it. <laughs> yeah, I, although to. I would be afraid if you got foxes and girls, you yeah. might get some unwanted websites. Maybe I should Google it. Female. All right. Tell us about Brody. Oh, yeah, you can't even put in female fox. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell us about Brody. Female How's gray fox.
1: There we go. Well, that would be redundant, wouldn't it? <laughs> gray fox. Gray fox. Euro, Euroscian Cinerio Jarnetius. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. That's not made up. Gray fox. Actually, it's funny because gray foxes are partly gray and partly red.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: They're beautiful. Oh, my God, they're beautiful. <gasps> None of the foxes I've seen around here look like these pictures on it Wikipedia. It looks just
0: like this. And actually, the gray fox kind of looks like a cat. It looks like an overgrown cat when it runs. Uh, and the tails are really bushy like this. I'm looking at a picture, too. It looks exactly, That's definitely a gray fox. That's definitely what we're seeing. And they're not well, very big.
1: No, no, they're really not. They're about yeah. the size of a cat. Oh, yeah. how cute. Now you got me Googling pictures of foxes, and this is a problem, because I'm, I'm doing a show here. It looks but. like
0: there are boys and girls in gray foxes, though, to this. Well,
1: they say, well, I, I typed in, in my, my search terms was uh, foxes found in Florida. And, of course, both the red and the gray fox came up. Do you know that they're monogamous? Oh,
0: oh how nice. Do, they, do you think they have a problem with adultery, too? I saw you cheating with that other fox.
1: <laughs> you know, a, a, a good-looking little gray goes by, and the red fox fella might have some problems.
0: All right, well, enough of foxes. Let's talk about your new horse, Brody, the, the pink one.
1: Oh, he is pink. He is, um, wow, he's great. He's He is just a rock star. He's a rock star. We've been keeping things slow, and if you've been following Brody and the Bee chapters, I think we're up to chapter two on the Stable Scoop Facebook page. I've been posting excerpts of our adventures up there. Uh, We're taking it very slow, and I will tell you my confidence is coming back in leaps and bounds. Yay! Due in no small part to this horse's demeanor. He is fabulous. Correct. It's very hard (laughs) to steer him, though. He is, his neck and his jaw and his mouth, very, very hard. So that would be, I would say, our greatest riding challenge. I mean, it's hard. I just want to keep him trotting around the field, you know, just to get his fitness up and and get him healthy and moving, get that blood flowing. But it's hard for us to even trot around the field because he has no concept of what it means to stay along the rail without having it in an arena.
0: Right. right. You know what I mean? Yep.
1: So yep. and steering. So you know, you just try to. I mean, and these are wide turns. My field is pretty big. It's it, <laughs> it's not that difficult. Oh, but he just is like straight? You want to go straight now? How about if I just bulge my shoulder in and we'll we'll go sideways? (laughs) So that's a training challenge, but we were making some great progress there. The other day, I rode him in and out of our gate, out into the road like 50 times to see how he is going out off the property and then back in. And he was great. In fact, he didn't want to come back in. He wanted to stay out and go out on adventures.
0: So, so and far, so, so good. What's that? So far, so good.
1: So far, so good. And then a couple of days later, I'm, I'm adding like probably 25, 50 feet down the road every time we go out. You know, I go a little bit further and a little bit further. So he's been really good. I Sadly, though, I had um, a mishap the other day. Um, I sort of created the perfect storm of colic risk. And um, sure enough, he colicked. Oh, no. And uh, he's he's passed it now. He's through it now, knock on wood. But we did have to have the vet out twice to tube him, and I got to play equine veterinary tech, which was interesting. Um, And, and it required a couple of days of, of micromanaging, vigilance.
0: Is that your dog sleeping?
1: She's dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> For those, I those that put... don't
0: know... Helena's little tiny dog is is uh, dreaming there in the background. Now, how much does your little tiny dog weigh?
1: About one hundred and thirty pounds. <laughs> Twenty pounds. She dreams. She does not leave my side. So when I'm at my desk in my office, she's right there under my chair, and she and she's very relaxed when we're, especially when I'm doing stable scoop. I, it's always when I'm doing stable scoop. And she falls into this deep sleep and then she starts to dream and she talks in her dreams.
0: <laughs> well, is Brody okay? Sorry, I changed the subject, but I heard her. I heard yes, her,
1: I've noticed sleeping. that I went right with you. <laughs> yes, Brody, um, we, uh, he, he passed manure after the second night. Um, you know, we, we started him back on hay. And so far, knock on wood, he's been okay. But we think, my best guess, it was a combination of um, him being introduced to some lush grass albeit for only an hour, but the grass combined with the pony escaping and then causing a ruckus out there Mm -hmm. and galloping around and getting hot and sweaty and then the previous night's crappy hay that he ate, we think it just sort of was the perfect storm of a tummy ache.
0: Now, do you think that – or has he become super attached to the pony?
1: He has not, and I've been – I mean, if you see the path between my house and the barn, I, I'm out there like 50 times a day micromanaging their turnout between the bugs, the heat, and then not, you know, keeping the pony away from him, um, putting him out by himself, taking him out alone. I'm trying very hard to make sure that he stays confident alone.
0: Hey, there's and, nothing worse than when that happens. Ugh.
1: Oh, God. And especially here at home, you know, your backyard horse.
0: Yeah. A horse can be fabulous,
1: <laughs> yeah, when you try them in a boarding facility and they're around other horses all the time, even taking them away is fine, but they bond differently and tighter when they're in a small backyard situation, and so I've been trying very hard not to let that happen. Thankfully, the pony um her heat has passed, but it it lasted a good ten days, so it was it was long and intense, and I was worried. <laughs> But, uh, she still bats her eyelashes when she sees them, <laughs> but no more winking and squirting.
0: well, that's good you know there we have had mares all our lives, and we never really had ones that were really marish. You know what i mean we We got lucky in it with all the mares that we had we uh, my sister in law has a very marish one, and now is on new new medicine to try and control it a little bit because she just. You know, she'll, t- she'll be squirting everywhere when she's out riding with other horses down the mm-hmm. road. It, she just doesn't stop. You know, it's it's one of those things. By yeah. the way, talking about pooping and squirting, what other show on the <laughs> Internet right now is doing that?
1: <laughs> only stable scoop. Only stable scoop. But I, I have to put a plug in for this pony because, and and even Marish, I've never met a mare I didn't like. and But that's probably because I've only met three or four of them. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I did. Maybe because I'm a female, I can, uh, you know, if you understand the mare's responsibility in the herd, you could understand some of their behaviors a little bit better, you know. And then if you understand also the heat cycle, I mean, all mammals go through it. All female mammals go through it. So you kind of understand what happens, what or what can happen when they go through their heat. Um, the thing about nutmeg is she—that's uh, all she does—is have an intense heat. She is not. Um, Irritable. She's awesome under saddle. She um, she listens well. You know, it's not like she gets so distracted that she can't be ridden or she can't be handled. She is otherwise an amazing pony. So, you know, for ten days of just her being really interested in one of my geldings, we'll take it because she's yeah. been fabulous.
0: Terrific. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us, Helena. We're going to be back again next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll have a report from from the eventing radio show to share with you uh, about the eventing. Now, don't forget that eventing starts tomorrow morning, I think at 4.55 a.m. on NBC here in the United States. Also, if your cable company has uh, a relationship with NBC, you can sign in uh, through the NBC website. Actually, you just use your cable company's login, and you can watch all the coverage online. If you remember right, four years ago, they were still playing with... What was it? It was uh, Microsoft's... uh, Silverlight had just come out and everybody was having to download Silverlight and it wasn't working on Macs and it was kind of a hassle to watch online yeah. but they seemed to have fixed all that and it should be much, much easier this year and I know I plan on having it on when I'm working here in the office and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people around the country, horse people, that have real cubicle jobs that yes. are going to be sneaking it onto the corner of their computers all day long.
1: Real cute. Or they're just going to be looking on their iPads or their iPhones on their lap. Yes.
2: Uh, you
1: Although, know. you know, if you have a desktop computer with a big screen, pull off the damn Olympics. <laughs> I mean, darn. <laughs> if
0: you get it on the combat. TV, I mean, on the big, big screen, that's even better. Uh, I, and, of course, in England, they have a lot more coverage than we do. So our friends over there are going to be getting, getting the smorgasbord of coverage. What other sports do you like to watch real quick?
1: Uh, diving, because I spent many years as a competitive diver. So diving, swimming. Um I really like archery.
0: Me too actually. But I I used to I used to shoot a lot. So that's why I kind of like archery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I really like it's, the track also,
0: and field sports. The only time I ever watch track and field is during this. I think I'm interested. I like the sports. I watch the tennis because I'm a big tennis fan. But, you know, I like the sports like table tennis and badminton. I like all those weird things that you never get to see any other time.
1: I can't believe that table tennis is an Olympic sport, though, and, oh, and so lacrosse good, is dude. not.
0: They're so fast.
1: Yeah, so what are you watching? <laughs> Nothing. You're watching, like, the remnants of a little teeny plastic ball that weighs, what, a a Nano ounce, and I'm one of those that clip. I really
0: like the summer games better than the winter. I, there's not too much in the winter. I like watching. I, I'm just not much into skiing, so it's not my thing. But
1: oh no, I, I like the skiing too. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I was a big big. I start, You know how everybody in the horse world is like, oh, I've been riding since before I was born. You know, and I've been. I was on skis at three years old. My dad had me skiing since then. So, skiing's a big deal. And skating, that
0: is just like dressage. <sighs>
1: yeah that's a, it's it depends on who it is. I like when they get some good personalities in there, you know and, but um but wait a minute, let's go back to, to summer sports for a second. so they're calling all the wind, the water sports aquatics um, diving, swimming, synchronized swimming, fine water polo, fine badminton box oh canoe kayak that's pretty awesome. yeah that's, that's the, pretty yeah, awesome that is
0: pretty cool I, uh, not I've, the
1: sprinting but the slalom.
0: yeah, I kind of like that
1: right um i don't don't get
0: into the basketball too much
1: they actually did you realize
0: there's a couple of sports that you always go i didn't even know that was in the olympics like i i remember greco-roman wrestling because i used to be a wrestler so you know wrestling i remember in the olympics but i I didn't remember taekwondo
1: yes no that's been that's like forever
0: there's actually two martial arts in the olympics
1: uh, and if any sport should be, I mean, taekwondo, judo, or any martial art, I think should absolutely be because it came. You didn't. I mean, remember where the Olympic Games started? It started out of survival in right. war With and warriors, yeah, right. And so, um, and you know, and that's why dressage has a place in the Olympics.
0: Well, you know that um, uh, people of our age, modern pentathlon became very because of Bruce Jenner. Became very popular. Maybe it, What do
1: you mean it, it became, mean it became popular because he popularized it? Well,
0: it, it became popular in the United States because it, that was, it was just something I remember as a kid watching Bruce Jenner and watching his win. And it was so much of a big thing back then. I don't remember the, the pentathlon becoming so much, you know, being so popular as it ever had been up to that point. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of our superstar that we had, pentathlon.
1: My my favorite super, my two favorite superstars I, as a girl were Nadia Komenich and Mary Lou Retton, two yep. gymnasts, because I was yep. a gymnast as well. And they were just – And I was at an I mean, age to this where I had day, a crush on Mary Lou. I, I'm, what's that?
0: <laughs> I was at an age where I had a crush on Mary Lou. I think
1: every oh, who did. didn't? I had a crush on Mary Lou. <laughs> she was awesome. She was awesome. And, but you know, And to this day, I'm like, ooh, what's Nadia up to? What's Mary Lou doing? You know, you check on these people. And I think – and like Bruce Jenner, they um, – and maybe I, – I don't know. I think the Olympic story of 20 years ago was different than and, – and even the Olympic story of 40, 60 years ago was different. I I wonder what the Olympic story is going to be when we look back on this Olympics.
0: That's a good point. What's it,
1: going to be inspiring about the athletes who are there today? What what kind of hard work? What were their challenges? In in getting to the Olympics, in this generation,
0: there's the sport that every guy in the world will be watching the most of. And what's that sport? I don't know. Beach volleyball. Oh God! Because they pretty much wear nothing, and uh, and they're all good-looking, tall, thin women. So you know, beach volleyball (sharp) is very popular with the guys. I don't know if girls watch it, but uh, we'll be watching beach volleyball.
1: Yeah, now not really interested in beach volleyball. I like to play it very much. <laughs> like now it. there are
0: guys that do beach volleyball, and they're all good looking with big muscles.
1: Yeah, maybe I should take a look yeah, at so beach volleyball again.
0: <laughs> maybe I need to. That's it. We but said then, we were going to wrap the show about two hours ago.
1: Um, we did, but then we started talking about like kind of, and oh, and you know, maybe we should start thinking about. Um, we should start thinking about who the uh, America's hottest horseman is going to be.
0: I know we really have to plan that. We we missed a year in there. We need we need to bring America's Hottest horsemen back.
1: Yeah, and so I think the Olympic Games are a good uh, starting point because there's there's a couple of good ones. You know, because like we said, you know, it's not just about how you look; it's about how you conduct yourself, and you know your personal successes yeah, and right. stuff. It was so pretty maybe much we about could how they th- look. Was <laughs> that?
0: It was pretty much about how they looked. Oh. <laughs> What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> I think we should do it as America's Hottest Horse People, and then I get to have a category too for on the women's side.
1: You get no categories. <laughs> you get, you just know you're so politically incorrect when it comes to anything that has to do with females and hotness. <laughs> well, we'd have to have the best. You can in choose breeches. the best. We'd have about, to you have can the, choose the best barbecue.
0: We'd have to have the best buns and breeches. Um, see, that's just a variation on yours. You had the best in breeches. We just have to have the best buns in breeches. Um, you know, we,
1: Why? Why does it have to be buns? Why can't it just be best of breeches, male, female?
0: We're in the broadcast business. It's called ratings, Selena, ratings.
1: No, but okay. But let me understand. Uh, okay, women make up the highest number of female <laughs> equestrian athletes. <laughs>
0: I'm appealing to the horse husbands who get no love.
1: And how many of them are there? Three. Oh, wait, sorry, 12. <laughs>
0: Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back again next week. Enjoy the Olympics.
1: <laughs> Take care. Oh, and happy scooping. Oh, you remembered. I did. Okay. It comes naturally. You have to do it when it comes naturally. It has to be, what, how do they call it? You Organic. can't force it.
0: You can't force scooping.
1: You can't force scooping. <laughs>